Hello and welcome to the Ratio Podcast. It's Craig Hemingway and Joe Gunnis getting ready for the 105th Grey Cup game in Ottawa. And Joe, here we sit a few days removed from the East and West Finals, both with uh, dramatic finishes, both uh, excellent games, great for the CFL, of course. Let's start with the East Finals, Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, Riders did nothing offensively until late in the fourth quarter. They take the lead but give Ricky Ray... Too much time. Too much time indeed. I mean, you cannot give Ricky Ray that much time for a game-winning drive. I mean, I don't know what the stat was, but I, I believe it's over 40 games that in his career that he's won uh, on a last-minute uh, last drive. And he, just his poise and confidence going down the field, and when he hit Wilder there on that third-down play, you can see the old momentum just shift. That was really the, you know, the final turning point in a game that had a lot of them. But yeah, the Argos were third and five, and the Riders couldn't make the stop. And Toronto uh, gets the win to move to to the Grey Cup. And, and on the other side of well, almost the whole other side of the country, in Calgary, the West Final, uh, the Stamps had a big lead at Edmonton. Edmonton makes a, a, a big comeback, and they're charging late in the fourth quarter. They had already gone for it once on third down, Joe, and then they, they get uh, in the red zone, and Jason Moss decides to kick a field goal hoping, assuming that his defense is going to get them the ball back with enough time for another touchdown. And of course, uh, it did not happen. I still don't know that I understand it. I mean, his reasoning, I guess, is his reasoning. But I mean, you're in the red zone, right? I mean, you're playing to win, are you not? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, in playoff game, you're playing to win. You've got that opportunity. Uh, you march to the ball. Uh, everybody knows that the game is on the line, potentially, right? Don't understand it. Well, you know, as we've seen happen uh, so many times, uh, coaches sometimes outsmart themselves, outthink themselves, and that appears to be maybe what happened in Jason Moss's case. And, you know, his counterpart across the field, Dave Dickinson, can look back to last year's Grey Cup game and, 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 and not the exact same scenario, but again, maybe outsmarted himself with, uh, with some play calls. That does happen time to time, and, and of course it happens at the most inopportune moments. And there's nothing guaranteeing Edmonton would have converted on third down, but you really had to give Mike Riley a shot to do that yeah when you have a quarterback like Mike Riley on your team I mean arguably one of the best in the in the league if not the best to be honest uh you got to give him the ball I think but you, I think you're right as far as maybe you know you're out thinking yourself and and I mean you got lots of faith in your defense too so I, I mean I get his reasoning but I still don't understand it because I think uh, for a coach, especially a coach like Jason Moss, who gets fired up about these things, that he'd want to, you know, have that gusto to win, so to speak. Fired up uh, and will not be fired in Edmonton, uh, despite the the unhappiness maybe with that call. He's done too many good things with that club over the last couple of years, and and uh, the players. To their credit, and this says something about his coaching job, uh, his players did not throw him under the bus after the game either. Uh, case in point, Mike Riley. So if your quarterback's behind you or at least vouching for you publicly, then uh, then that's a good sign for him and his future in Edmonton. So here we go. It'll be the Calgary Stampeders back in the Grey Cup, uh, taking on the Toronto Argonauts uh, in Ottawa. I mean, for Calgary, a bitter taste after last year. They've been motivated all year to get back and win the thing this year. Uh, and for them, you know, it's not like beating Ottawa, but they can do it in Ottawa. Absolutely. I mean, they'll get some redemption that way, Craig. But I believe you said that uh, the Argos would make the Grey Cup. So I'm going to give you some credit here tonight because you said that at the start of the year and 
I thought there is no way. There is absolutely no way. Here's a coach and GM that came in with two weeks to make decisions on players. Uh, you know, Tressman, great coach. Uh, we all knew that, right? Jim Pop, lots of experience. But, uh, I mean, holy smokes, really? I mean, to be in the in the Great Cup, awesome. Yeah, I guess I'll take the credit. But, but to be fair, Joe, uh, I, I just looked at, you know, three. it came down to three words for me. It's the East. <laughs> and just knowing it's the East that Tristan and Pop are walking into uh, and, and the path to the Grey Cup far easier uh, than had they done the same thing stepping into a, into a Western Division team. Well, maybe so, but you got to look at what they what they accomplished really in a short season. I mean, he, Tristan uh, got a hold of Ricky Ray and, and you know, truthfully kept him out, upright and healthy, right? Which is something they hadn't done in years past. I mean, they made signings like Bear Woods and they brought in Sean Lemon and those types of things. I mean, the list goes on and solidified that team. Uh, so I got to give a lot of credit to, to, to Tressman and Jim Pop, but also, you know, those players out there, you know, they're, they're firing all cylinders, firing together. That's obvious. There's no way that they got to where they are without being able to be a credible football team. Oh, absolutely not. And I don't mean to suggest that, but certainly the path, again, a little bit easier on the Eastern side, but now that they are there, that they're healthy, playing well, and as are the, you know, the Calgary Stampeders. And so it makes for an intriguing matchup, uh, Ricky Ray at 38. Uh, can he have the magic uh, one more game? Uh, and and for Calgary, uh, after losing their last three in the regular season, now they've looks like they've righted the ship, and, and now uh, probably back to to uh, playing at at the highest level they've wanted to all season. So uh, should make for an interesting matchup on Sunday. Joe, who are you taking? I'm actually going to take the Toronto Argonauts. I think that they're set up, ready to go. I think they've got the momentum on their side. Truthfully, there's no pressure on them because they aren't supposed to win, right? You're not supposed to beat the juggernaut in Bo Levi and the Calgary Stampeders, but I think they've got all sorts of opportunities. I think their defensive front four is going to wreak some havoc on old Bo Levi, and uh, it's going to be an interesting game. However, it will be close. Yeah, I think it'll be close as well, but I'm going to take the Calgary Stampeders. I just think they're the best team in the CFL and really have been since the start of the year and, and we'll prove it again on Sunday. Uh, but that's why they play the games and we'll see what happens. Should be an excellent game and Shania Twain's ready to go for halftime and, and uh, by just looking at social media already, uh, the fun starting in Ottawa uh, with all the, the great cup parties and, and, and all the clubs represented. So a great, uh, uh, great shot of a via, via train heading from Hamilton. Uh, down to Ottawa with all sorts of Ticats fans ready to party. So that is uh, truly what the Grey Cup is all about. Uh, fans from all across the league getting together for, for a big party. And, and uh, now, do the players, do they party extra during Grey Cup week? Or at least have fun off the field partying? It uh, does become the question that's asked at every Grey Cup, started by the legendary uh, reporter uh, Jim Shaky Hunt. And uh, after he passed on, uh, Terry Jones of the Edmonton Sun took the, the baton. Uh, and now it's his job every coach's media conference of Grey Cup week to ask the final question of the media conference, which is what do the coaches think about the players having sex? during Grey Cup week. Uh, here were the responses from uh, first Mark Cressman and then Dave Dickinson. Well, you asked me the question, has it changed or not? And so I'm just going to say it hasn't changed and turn it over to Dave. <laughs> well, um, since we've both answered the question through the years, maybe I could ask you media guys if you guys are okay with having sex during the week of the Grey Cup. Uh, 
because you've got a job to do. So uh, as players, so do we. And uh, I'd rather leave it at that as well. Dave Dickinson and Mark Tresman, uh, their responses to do the players have sex during Great Cup week. Well, Craig Hemingway and Joe Gunn is going to take a break here on the ratio. When we come back, he was the defensive star for the Toronto Argonauts in their win against the Riders in the East Final. Sean Lemon and a twist to Lemon and also three-time Great Cup champion, former Calgary Stampeder and Edmonton Eskimo. Randy Chevrolet joins us on the ratio. Right now, a quick word about EMJ Marketing. EMJ Marketing provides keynote speakers, MCs, sports celebrities, and entertainers for your next event. There's a long list of CFL greats on the EMJ roster, from Damon Allen to Pinball Clemens to Scott Schultz and Gizmo Williams and beyond. So for your next sports dinner, visit emjmarketing.com to find your entertainment. Thanks for joining us in the Ratio Podcast this week. I'm Craig Hemingway, still to come fellow who will be playing in the Grey Cup game, Sean Lemon in this week's Twist of Lemon. Right now, a fellow who's played in several Grey Cup games and has three rings to his name. He played the bulk of his career with the Calgary Stampeders, won two cups with them. Uh, his first one, though, with the Edmonton Eskimos. And he is now a firefighter for the city of Calgary. He is Randy Chevrier, and we're happy to be joined by him right now on the ratio. Randy, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Craig. Well, listen, Randy, let's get right to the game. Let's start there. Uh, you played most of your CFL career in Calgary and, and won a couple of cups there. So one would assume that's where your allegiance lies on Sunday. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I mean, um, I, I still know quite a few guys on the team, and and uh, obviously making my home in Calgary, uh, it's uh, it's a place where uh, you know I'm I'm part of the community here, and uh, you know I spent 11 years with the Stampeders, and uh, you know this is my home now, and uh, I love playing for the Stamps. I love representing the the, the team in the city, and uh, I love uh, right now that I get to cheer for them as a fan. What's that been like, uh, you know, because you're not that far removed from your playing career, and so being in that city that holds all those great memories and still being there and, and driving past McMahon and some of those things, and as you said, still knowing some of the guys with the team, does that make it, uh, has that made it easier to transition out of your, your playing career or, or more difficult? Well, you know, my, my first year away from football, you know, really last year, except for the three games I'm on the plane with the Riders, uh, you know, that, that was a little tougher, uh, you know, I still felt I had uh, something to give on the football field. Uh, you know, being a long snapper, uh, you, you tend to not get beaten up as much as maybe other players. And, and I was still at the top of my game when I was done. And so, uh, yeah, last year was a little tougher. And, you know, I, I wanted to be part of the the ride, and, and uh, so to speak. But, um, you know, that was a, that was a transition year. And, and um this year, I'm uh, I'm a firefighter in the Calgary Fire Department. Uh, it's been a three-year process, but I got in this year. So uh, this year, I can truly watch as a fan and just kind of enjoy the ride and not feel like, oh, I wish I was there. And, uh, of course, there's always a little part of you that feels you could be there. But, you know, this year, I'm definitely uh, more in the fan boat than the player boat, for sure. At what point uh, did you start thinking about becoming a firefighter? I would say uh, back in uh, early 2013, 14, um, just, you know, of course I was getting up there in age. I mean, uh, I was, in those days I was uh, 38 years old and, uh, you know, I was, I was kind of 
2014, I sat on the bench, uh, even though I was basically a healthy scratch for the games. And I kind of saw the writing on the wall that year. And I had been, I had in the past uh, tried many different careers. I have a teaching degree and I've done real estate and I've done uh, mortgages and sales and a whole bunch of different things in the off seasons just to try and see what, what career would be out there for me as, as, uh, you know, as I get out of football. I and mean, then nothing really stuck and I was never really passionate about anything. And then fire department, um, I just kind of happened to be at a couple of social events where there were a few firefighters and I started asking them about their job. And, you know, to, to a man, uh, everyone, every firefighter that I'd spoken to, they said they, they have the best job in the world. And it, you know, it, was, it just struck me as odd that every time I wound up in a room uh, in a conversation with a firefighter, they said the same thing. And so I kept doing more research, and I started realizing that this was an occupation for me. I mean, with uh, uh, the type of person I am and uh, the type of values they look for, it was a natural fit. I mean, I love helping people. I love being on a team, and I love doing physical work. And uh, that's everything that the firefighter is and more. So... Uh, you know, I applied in 2014 uh, when I saw a little bit of writing on the wall that I may not be in the steps, future plans. And uh, the recruitment process had been a three-year process from that point. And I was lucky, uh, you know, lucky but also skilled. You know, in 2015, I had won my job back. And, uh, you know, I, I played that one more season with the Stamps. But, uh, you know, 2015 was... Uh, you know, that was the last one. I knew it was going to be the last one. They were going to go in a different direction, uh, you know, when they let me go in February. And then, you know, I basically had to, to wait it out last year and took a bunch of different jobs to kind of make ends meet while I was waiting to get into the fire department. Well, yeah, and, you know, I was going to ask you about that. It probably was important to whatever you're going to do after football to make sure it was also uh, in a team setting. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, um, my last few years, uh, with the Stampeders, uh, you know, although I was the starting long snapper, I, I definitely uh, wanted to contribute more to, to the team. And, you know, when you're not asked to do, uh, you know, things on the field, whether, you know, I was, wanted to play de- defensive line or uh, offensive line or I had been practicing as a fullback and and off and uh, tight end, you know, and, and, you know, the less you do on the field, you know, the way you contribute is other ways. And, and uh, you know, I liked... Uh, to mentor the guys, and 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 I wanted to uh, be more than just a guy on the field that showed up to snap a football, because that's not the type of person I am. So you know, I, I tried to take on a mentorship role with the young guys, even the guys that were in direct competition w- with me. And uh, you know, I, I think there was a bit of evidence of that in in 2014. Well, you know, we won the Grey Cup. Uh, I didn't play anything but three games, the first three games of the season, and then you know my my. My teammates uh, voted for me as the Herm Harrison uh, Award winner and then eventually went on to win the Tom Pate. And, you know, I really didn't think I did uh, much for the guys, but I guess I did have some kind of impact. And I was really – it it felt nice because, you know, I just wanted to give them my best, and uh, I guess it got recognized by my teammates. And, you know, that's that's the type of person I am and that's the type of people they look for in the fire department. You've got to be selfless. You've got to be able to – to do the jobs that maybe some other people don't want to do. There's, there's kind of a, uh, a pecking order in the fire department. And at 41 years old, you know, I'm, I'm a rookie all over again and uh, I clean toilets and I make lunches and I make people coffee and I run to the phone when it rings and I run to the door when someone 
knocks and you know I'm, I'm you know and, and that's okay with me like I, I enjoy that stuff that's my role on the team and as I advance then maybe I get a bigger role but uh, uh, I love it I, I absolutely love my job I'm about uh, I guess I'm two months removed from training academy and I've been on the on the job for for uh, for about a month and a half and uh, and I absolutely love it you uh, you tweeted earlier this week that uh, and you just alluded to it that your the favorite great cup of all of all the rings you have was the one that you didn't play in. How come? Yeah, absolutely. It was, it, it was mainly for some of the things I was talking to you. I mean, uh, I'm a competitor. Uh, uh, you know, I love to compete, and I had been uh, a couple of times earlier in my career had gotten that a tap on the shoulder. Uh, with some news that you don't necessarily want to hear, whether it's you're not playing the position that you trained for, whether you're sitting on the bench, and and uh, it happened that year that you know I was told that I was going to be on the injured reserve as as much as I didn't want to, and I wanted to play, and I really didn't have a choice. Uh, the only choice I had was um, was how to respond and the attitude that I chose. And you know, at the age I was, I could have easily just mailed it in and said, you know what, uh, they're paying me, I'm going to take my check, uh, do what I have to do for the hours that they they require to me, and then I'll leave. But I didn't. I, I tried to be the best teammate I could possibly be, whether it was, you know, giving advice to young guys, helping out uh, guys playing in my position, uh, helping out the kickers, helping out the coaches. Uh, you know, I just did everything I could. I was in the gym all the time, uh, just training like I would be the next man up. Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, that was an attitude I chose, and I chose that I loved going to work each day. And, and what I was doing at the age of 38 beat uh, beat the pants out, out of any other job that I can think of doing, whether I was playing on game day or not. And, you know, really, I, I define myself as a professional athlete, not because someone chooses to put me on the roster or not. Uh, I define myself as a professional athlete based on how I prepare and the pride I take in my job. And so uh, so that's, that's what 2014 was for me. And you know, I did every single thing possible in my power uh, to prove my worth, to show that I was a great teammate. And uh, like I alluded to before, you know, I had won the Tom Pate earlier that week when we, you know, when we won the Great Cup, which was was uh, pretty, you know, not that I was seeking to win an award, but it was a pretty nice, neat recognition uh, for the journey that I was on. And then, you know, being at the Great Cup, even though I wasn't playing the game, uh, you know, I practiced my butt off to get the team ready for the game all year. Uh, you know, I did everything I could. And so when we hoisted the trophy and I was on the field with my wife and my kids, uh, it was no less special because I didn't play the game. In fact, like I said, and like you alluded to, it was probably the most proud moment because I chose a positive attitude. And that picture is, you know, is looked on as a positive memory. Whereas I know some guys that, you know, might have been healthy scratches for a Grey Cup game. You know, some guys don't even want to keep the ring they got. And, uh, you know, that's, that's again, a function of an attitude, right? And to say that uh, I was satisfied or not competitive or I settled would be a lie because I was probably more competitive in a situation uh, where I wasn't going to be playing. And I think that takes a more fierce competitor to, to go out and give 110% knowing 110% that you're not going to be playing. And, and that's the type of person that uh, I tried to be that year. And, and so, like I said, that's that's why that moment is really special for me. Do you have one good Grey Cup story? One good Grey Cup story. Um, 
just got got to be for you know PG, of course. But uh, <laughs> any 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 you know quick memories come to mind about something fun or funny that happened? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> I think it's PG. Uh, <laughs> I uh, it was funny because I used to room with uh, Rob Lazio, and uh, <laughs> we were roommates in 2008. And 2008, when Huff came in, it was the first time we had had. Uh, curfew in forever and so they said yeah i got coaches are going to come around and uh, they're going to check the room and that year the first night we did it i, I did so so i just stripped down like i was naked in my room at night and i, I put uh, shaving cream all over my my privates and i figured i was going to surprise the coach that they sent in to to do the, the the room check well i had been waiting for about an hour with menthol uh, uh, shaving cream on me and um, no one showed up so uh, so fast forward to the great cup that year in 2008 and I hadn't done it the whole season I said you know what I'm going to try because I know they're going to check everyone's room so we're in Montreal and I did the same thing and and I just remember one of the coaches Pete Constanza walks in the room and, and he just bust out laughing at me because I was like fully covered in shaving cream and uh, he says oh I got to go get coach kill him so he runs out, and Coach Killam was checking a roll of, of uh, rooms. And Coach Killam, he, he knocks on the door. And he's like, room check. So he opens the door, and he sees me, and he just freaked out. And he left the room, shut the door. And the next thing you know, he comes back in. He had a double take. He had to make sure. Uh, and it was funny. And Lazio was just laughing. I mean, it was it, we we laughed so hard that night. And, you know, there are many stories. <laughs> I mean, that's the first one that comes to mind. But... Uh, that that was pretty funny. That's a pretty good one, Randy. Shaving cream Chevrier. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah no, that was fun. Hey, listen, and, and that's the thing you, you gotta you gotta have some fun with it, right? It can't. It, it's business for sure, but you have to find some ways to kind of tip that anxiety meter back to the middle so that you're not just on the tight all week. Give us your prediction for Sunday. Oh, I think the Stamps are going to take it. Uh, it's hard for me to cheer against my buddy Ricky Ray. Um, but, uh, you know, the Stamps proved something last week, uh, that they're hungry. You know, you, right now you, you throw out everything in, in, that happened during the season. And, uh, you know, obviously there were some concerns going into that game because, because they, uh, they had lost three in a row on their offense. Hadn't really been clicking the way it would have liked you, but they showed a lot to me coming back from behind against Edmonton, which is a really fantastic team and a fantastic defense. And, uh, and they sealed it. And, um, yeah, I, th- I think, uh, that, uh, that Calgary is going to play a different type of game in Ottawa. And I think, uh, you're going to see an even faster team. There's a lot of unfinished business. Uh, and I know that, that feeling because in 2002, when I was with Edmonton and we lost a great cup at our home turf, uh, when we got there the next year against Montreal and Regina in 2003, there was nothing going to stop us. And, and I and I see that in their eyes, and um, yeah, that's that's my prediction. I've been wrong in the past, but you know that's uh, my head and my heart are telling me to stand. With Randy Chevrain, we'll give uh, one last the uh, one last thing here before we go. Uh, you, you're growing the, the stash from November. How can we uh, see your progress and donate? Oh yeah, you know, uh, gosh. Uh, I, I, I know it's on Movember.ca, but I don't know if you can search for my profile there. I was gonna, well, 
Got me a little bit by surprise, but I am on Movember. I have a profile on Movember. So if you go, I think it's Movember.ca. Um, uh, hopefully, you can look up my profile. And I'm trying to. My target is kind of modest. I'm just trying to raise about a thousand bucks, and I think it's doable. And you know, in the past, I've done so much for for children's causes and women's causes, and you know, I've never really done something for the guys. You know, this is the one year that I said, you know, what, I'm gonna try something for. To help the guys out, and uh, yes, yeah, people would like to go to November uh, and uh, look for my profile. That would be fantastic. Sure, and they can also uh, find the details in the link there uh, when they just find you on Twitter at Randy Chevrier. Randy, uh, thanks so much for joining us uh, on the ratio, and uh, best of luck in your firefighting career. Thanks so much. I appreciate that. Three-time Grey Cup champion Randy Chevrier from Calgary, where he will be cheering on uh, his former team, the Calgary Stampeders, in the Grey Cup against Toronto. They'll be going up against the Toronto Argonauts, of course. When we come back, Sean Lemon from the Argos joins us on this week's Twist of Lemon on the Ratio. The CFL Alumni Association is devoted to serving former players and keeping them in the fold to promote the game of football across the country. Established in 2008, the CFLAA continues to grow and sustain the relationship between the CFL and the players that helped make it great. They also help former players in a time of financial need. If you want to find out more about the work done by the CFL Alumni Association, check out their website, cflaa.ca. Thank you for listening to the Great Cup edition of the Ratio Podcast. I'm Craig Hemingway, Sean Lemon in a moment. Right now, the word about our sponsor, SeatGiant.ca. Still looking for tickets to the Grey Cup? You can find them with SeatGiant. SeatGiant.ca has tickets to the Grey Cup. They've got tickets to every other sporting event you can imagine uh, through North America, professional sports. Uh, you can find it hockey, basketball, football, NFL style as well. You can find your tickets there, plus tickets to concerts and Broadway shows and beyond, all found on SeatGiant.ca and of course, you will pay in Canadian funds with our friends at SeatGiant.ca. Now on to Sean Lemon of the Toronto Argonauts. We talked to him last week. Now, on to Sean Lemon of the Toronto Argonauts in this week's Twist of Lemon. Last week when we talked with Sean, he said, I'll talk to you next week from Ottawa. He was correct and had a huge game in helping the Argos beat the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in the East Final. Sean joins us now from Ottawa. Sean, how are you doing? I'm doing amazing, man. Just, you know, excited. Uh, prepping for the weekend, you know, getting ready for Sunday's matchup. Yeah, we'll talk about those preparations in a moment. Take us back, though, to last Sunday in the East Final against Saskatchewan. You had a huge game, three sacks, five tackles. And, and, and the Argos, boy, you had the game in hand right until uh, the fourth quarter. Looks sketchy for a while. What's going through your mind as, as that's all playing out? Uh, well, I was in a situation with Ottawa. I signed with Ottawa in 2015, uh, East Final. Uh, similar situation you know, with the Hail Mary there, but uh, for uh, Greg Ellington, so I you know, just stay calm, trust the process, understand you know what, what, what what's out there for you, you always get. So uh, just you know, trust the process. I have a Hall of Fame quarterback in Ricky Ray, so just trust that you know he'll get us there. And he did with that uh, game-winning drive. How satisfying was it to to get uh, get those three sacks? Uh, you know, it felt good for the moment, man. Just, you know, going into a game and understanding that you're willing to do whatever you have to do to achieve your goal. And, you know, that, that's my same mindset going into this week. Uh, and let's talk about this week. So uh, take us through then. Uh, you win on Sunday, and then what kind of whirlwind is it to, to get everything ready and then make the trip to Ottawa? 
Uh, you know, it's a good process. I've been fortunate enough in the past, out of the past four years, to be in three great cups out of the past four years. So I uh, just kind of already know what to expect. You know, just pack your bag and, uh, you know, just get your mind right for, you know, a busy week. And uh, but, but still, you got to make it feel as usual as possible, uh, just like a game preparation week. So, you know, just get focused, uh, you know, get out of the ticket business as early as possible with your family and stuff and all their accommodations and, uh just you know, soak it all in, but get your rest for the game. Have any of your teammates been leaning on people like yourself and Ricky Ray, who have been through this before and have won great cups before? Yeah, most definitely. You know, a lot of vets have been reaching out to young guys and you know, showing them, you know, okay, that you know, there's going to be a lot of events going on, and uh, your most important thing you need to be is in your rest, in your rest, in your, in your playbook. Uh, greet your family when they come in, and you know, uh, my wife's already kind of understands as far as. You know, this being our third great cup in the last four years. So uh, she understands that, you know, the main priority is for me to be focused on the game. Have the, the coaching staff uh, and the Argos themselves designed any little, I don't know, tricks, for lack of a better word, to, to make this as, as normal uh, and routine a week as, as would be during the regular season? Oh, well, they did a good job of, you know, giving us the general information a little bit before, like, uh, the East Final, like, hey, this this could happen, you know, we win this game, we'll be in the Great Cup. These are some of the details, not to look ahead of our opponent, but, you know, we just have to, you know, be prepared so if that time comes, it's a smooth transition. So, you know, guys already kind of had a, a general basis of what to expect, and uh, I think that helped out our operation move a lot smoother. How much of your family is going to be at the game? Uh, my wife is going to be there, of course, my mom and dad, and, my brother, I try, try to keep it the same as it was for the East Final. <laughs> yeah, you got to keep keep that mojo going for sure. So uh, taking on Calgary, which uh, is a tough matchup. Uh, you know, we've probably asked you this during the regular season, but how do you go about attacking uh, Calgary's offense and, and stopping them? Uh, it starts with, you know, with number 19, we understand that. And uh, Jerome Messam is, you know, just trying to not to let their uh, – Big-time players make plays early, just make the quarterbacks uncomfortable as possible. You know, stop them to run and, you know, just go out and play Argos football, man. We played a great brand of football last week. Uh, we had what, 11, two went outs last week. So, let's try to come back and imitate that same performance. Yeah, for sure. I and mean, certainly uh, Bo, Le- Bo Levi Mitchell, you could make a great case, a step above or a couple above, uh, you know, the quarterbacking you faced last week. And, and they really seem to rely on a, a short passing game against Edmonton. Uh, sorry, uh, you know, how are you devising? And you're going to give everything away with us, but, you know, trying to stop that. Are you assuming they're going to try the same tactic, assuming he may not be 100% healthy, which has been the, the rumor out there? You just never know, man. You know, I, I know Bo personally. I know he's gonna come out at this stage. You know, try to uh, you know uh, hoist the game like, like he's always do. He's a, he's a great quarterback, and uh, he takes pride in going out performing at a high level. So just try to not let him get in the rhythm too early. What's been the best thing you've experienced during Grey Cup week so far outside of uh, the, off the field? Well, just spending time with your teammates, man. A little things. I stayed in the hotel for a week with the guys, getting to know uh, the guys that you get to know all, all during the season. And, you know, some of those first-time guys, some of those rookies, and to see the excitement on their face to be here. So uh, you just want to go out there and, and do all you can do so they can experience the same moment you, that I experienced as far as winning the Great Cup. Sean Lemon, uh, in this week's Twist of Lemon, any final thoughts before Great Cup kickoff? Just excited, man. Just soaking it all in, excited, and 
you know, ready to go out here and perform and, you know, be the best defensive end that I could be for as far as organized. That is Sean Lemon in this week's Twist of Lemon, and that will do it for the Ratio Podcast. Great Cup Edition. I'm Craig Hemingway. Thanks to Randy Chevrier, Sean Lemon, Joe Gunnis, and to you for listening. Enjoy the cup.